you'd better watch out. Krampus is coming to town. Welcome to episode 19 of a Northern Counties Paranormal Podcast, hosted by Within the Bogget Wood. First of all, I'd like to apologise for a long gap between episodes. For those that don't know, I produce the podcast as a hobby, and sadly work keeps getting in the way. Hopefully though, I'll be getting back in track with regular episodes again soon. Now this episode marks the podcast's second international episode, and in it I'll be looking at the tale of Krampus, the demonic companion of jolly old St Nicholas. On the eve of the 5th of December, if you happen to live in the Alps, you have to really worry whether or not you're on the naughty or nice list. Not in this case the list owned by St Nicholas, but rather that of Krampus. The 5th of December marks Krampusnacht, when the half-goat demonic entity Krampus goes on the prowl to punish naughty and wicked children, with the following day, the 6th of December, marking St Nicholas Day, when good children receive gifts. Krampus is described as a monstrous creature, taller than a human, half-goat with horns, fangs and a pointed tongue, as well as the obligatory cloven hooves. In some stories he was adorned with chains, and in others he carried a bell. The creature was said to have a taste for schnapps, the gift of the drink left out for Krampus said to calm him and avoid his more extreme impulses. Krampus was said to enter folks' homes if they had a naughty child present, and depending on how bad they'd been that year, would either beat them with birch sticks, or throw them in a sack, take them either to hell or just to a den to be the main course in his Krampus snack dinner, presumably with all the trimmings. The legend of Krampus is thought to have originated in either Germany or Austria, and is said that the demon may have been born from pre-Christian celebrations of the winter solstice. The most common origin story, however, is that Krampus was the son of hell in Norse mythology, though fans of more Mediterranean myths have pointed out similarities between Greek satyrs and Roman fauns. Another story is that he's St Nicholas's brother, playing the evil to St Nick's good. It's likely though that the main symbolism of Krampus as a goat hybrid comes from the demonization of goats by the Christian church. As far back as the 6th and 7th century, Archbishop Isidore of Seville described goats as a lascivious animal. It likes to butt heads and is always ready to mate. Because of its lust, its eyes are slanted. The nature of goats is so hot that their blood can dissolve diamonds. From this, goats were linked in later years to the devil and Satanism and another link between the devil and Krampus being that both exist to punish the wicked. The earliest written account of Krampus dates to the 16th century, with those scholars wishing for a pre-Christian origin citing oral tradition, though of course there's no way of actually confirming that. One comparison that also crops up is Krampus's physical similarity to the occult deity Baphomet. In the late 13th and early 14th century trial manuscripts of the Knights Templars, references to Baphomet alleged by the Inquisition to be a deity worshipped by the Templars, can be found in a number of the confessions. During interrogation, allegedly many Templars confessed to worshipping the deity's idol, though the descriptions of the idol were wide-ranging and contradictory, strongly suggesting coercion. The image of Baphomet as a winged man with the head and horns of a goat actually appears not to have existed until 1856, when Eliphas Levi wrote his works Dogma and Ritual of High Magic, and depicted Baphomet as such. By this time, however, Krampus has been depicted in alpine lore for at least 300 years, 
As such, the goat-headed deity may have been inspired by Krampus rather than the other way around. In Austrian Germany in the late 1890s, the postcard industry underwent a tourist boom. One of the popular figures on these cards was Krampus. Some of the cards were of Krampus punishing or threatening to punish children, while others were used for other imagery, with Krampus being portrayed often on these cards as a woman whipping tiny men with birch sticks. Please just draw your own conclusion from that one. Moving on to the early 20th century, and on the 19th of December 1903, the Hampshire Telegraph contained an article entitled Santa Claus Abroad, where there's another variation of the story. Santa Claus is generally supposed to be a genial old bachelor, but in Switzerland he becomes a married man, as he goes his rounds in the land of William Tell, distributing his gifts on St Nicholas Eve. He is accompanied by his wife, Lucy, in peasant dress, with high cap and short petticoats, who carries presents for the girls while he takes charge of those for the boys. Switzerland is, I believe, the only country in which Santa Claus divides the honours of Almoner-in-Chief. In Austria, a curious custom survives in the south, of young men going from house to house, personating St Nicholas to examine the children in their catechism and award gifts accordingly to merit. On going to bed, the children place baskets or dishes on the windowsills for his gifts. In Austria too, Santa Claus suffers a diabolical association. He is supposed to bring a saintly figure of himself to good children, while to the naughty he gives a demon, or Krampus. But such is the depravity of the human nature that many boys and girls prefer to get a Krampus. Saints and angels are good and prosaic, but the toy imps are delightfully grotesque. The finest ones are as big as a child of eight, and are covered with black fur. Their faces are hideous, with red lips and red tongues hanging out of the mouth, and they carry birch rods in their hands, and further supply in a basket on their back. Early in December, the St Nicholas markets open in Vienna, and the stalls are covered with figures of angels and Krampuses. A kind of gingerbread called liver cake is also a speciality of the season. Early in the 20th century, the Krampuslauf or Krampus run was set up, with the events becoming popular in Austrian Germany, involving lots of alcohol, fancy dress and street performers, with its popularity increasing in line with the commercialisation of Christmas. However, the popularity of Krampus resulted in censorship in a number of cases. One example is an article from the Shields Gazette on the 7th of December 1935, reading, For generations, Hungarian children have been familiar with the Krampus, a black-faced figure clothed in red, bearing horns upon his head and a trident in his hand. The Krampus is brought to the nursery on St Nicholas's Day, which falls tomorrow. At one time, Santa Claus in person distributed sweets to the good children and Krampuses to the unruly. The Krampus was greatly feared since he was accompanied by a birch rod, but of late he had become more tolerant, and cases have been known where he carried a bag of sweets on his back. Now the Hungarian authorities have issued an order banning the Krampus from shop windows and condemning him generally. The fact that the little fellow, though made to represent a devil, has deteriorated into a welcome friend is considered incompatible with a proper appreciation of moral values. In 1943, during the Second World War, the Belfast Telegraph produced an article entitled Where Christmas Stockings Are December Boots, and was definitely a product of its time. Everyone has a soft spot in his heart for the customs and festivities of his childhood, no matter how absurd and weird they may appear to other people. That is the reason why I can never start the month of December without remembering the sixth day of the month and its patrons, Niccolo and Krampus. 
Children in Austria and Czechoslovakia do not hang out a Christmas stocking on Christmas Day. They get their presents on Christmas Eve, when the Christmas tree is lit. But the night from the 5th to the 6th of December was of no small importance to the kiddies of these countries. On the eve of December the 5th, every child puts his shoes, boots or wellingtons, between the windows of his or her room. Continental houses mostly have double windows where the climate requires it, and all wait impatiently for the morning. The morning will show the youngsters what Krampus and Niccolo have put into their shoes. How much the war has interfered with these customs is, of course, another matter. I feel I must introduce these two gentlemen. Niccolo is none other than St. Nicholas, or Santa Claus. He has a long white beard, and in his position as Niccolo of December 6, wears a bishop's robe. He also carries a bishop's crook. Krampus's looks are less attractive. He is red and black all over. His head is adorned by a fine pair of horns and rudely sticks out his red tongue at you. The wooden hamper on his back will hold all of the naughty children he takes away with him, and if they offer any resistance he will use the big chain slung over his arm. In his hand he carries a brush for chastising disobedient youngsters. Krampus is really a very popular variation of the devil. You might almost call him a utility devil. Nobody knows where his name comes from. In fact, the gentleman is quite unknown outside the borders of Czechoslovakia and Austria. Germany, where every citizen is officially catalogued, registered and described from the colour of his hair and the hue and tone of his political outlook to the shape of his toes, could never tolerate a person of such unnordic appearance as Krampus. And why really should they need another devil when they have got their Führer? Krampus fills the children's shoes with coals and stones, and leaves his brush between the windows to remind youngsters that in the long run it pays to be good and an obedient child. From the middle of November up to December the 6th, all of the shops in the countries where Krampus and Niccolo are at home are decorated in bright red. You find innumerable Krampuses and Niccolos in every shop. You see them made of chocolate and sugar, of china, felt paper and wool. Stands in the streets are specially devoted to selling them. Niccolo's appearance does not vary much, sometimes his beard is a little shorter, sometimes longer, but Krampus, like evil itself, shows innumerable variations. The most popular statues of him are those made of plums threaded onto a wire, a fig for a face, and a strapping body made of some more figs and plums. Such a devil would always certainly have his points nowadays. You see tiny red or black Krampuses sitting on red and black jumpers, on women's red leather bags, on bunches of red flowers in the florist's windows. Shortly before the invasion of these countries, a new kind of Krampus made his appearance. He had a small moustache, and a wisp of hair hanging over his forehead. I cannot help recollecting a standard story about Krampus. At the beginning of December, before the war, a woman entered a big shop and asked for red cloth. The shop assistant dragged down bales of the required material, but no shade seemed to please her. The weary salesman fetched some more from the wholesale department, but the woman only shook her head disapprovingly. No, she sighed, these shades would never do. Just then the firm's manager passed her. Can I assist you in any way, he asked. The woman told him that she could not find the shade of red she wanted. Madam, the manager replied, we can dye any length, any shade you fancy. The woman's face lit up. That would be the thing, she answered. And when asked how many yards she would require, she said, it's not a very great length, I'm afraid. I'm making a Krampus and I need it for the tongue. Thus, when in Czechoslovakia somebody takes a long time over choosing a short piece of material, it is called the tongue of Krampus. 
The Belfast Telegraph then published a further article 14 years later, reading, The foreign tourist wandering through the streets of Austrian towns and villages at the beginning of December will seek an explanation for the red and black window dressings and the two very strange figures he sees in every shop window. While British mothers are combing the shop counters for presents to fill their youngsters' Christmas stockings, their Austrian counterparts are hurriedly making the final purchases to put into the children's boots and shoes. The boots and shoes which every child invariably places between the two panes of the Austrian double windows. In Austria, there is no Father Christmas to fill a Christmas stocking. He concentrates on providing the Christmas tree, but an ill-sorted pair, Niccolo and Krampus. Niccolo is a conventionally attired St. Nicholas in his bishop's robes. He has a long white beard and carries a bishop's crook. Krampus is an intimidating apparition. His skinny body is covered with long fur, his head is adorned by a pair of horns, and with the help of the chain and broom in his hands, he can remove naughty children from their homes and carry them away in the hamper strapped to his back. His colour scheme, invariably red and black, is reproduced in every shop window, no matter if it displays cars or stationery, food or jewellery, handbags or clothes. Folklore will have it that Niccolo fills the boots in the window with sweets, nuts, gingerbread and toys, while Krampus, a household threat to ensure the good behaviour of the children of Austria, invariably leaves his visiting card in the form of coal, stones, a small replica of himself, and his inevitable broom. Krampus is reproduced in a multitude of shapes and consistencies, the most endearing one being the prune Krampus, made of prunes strung on wire. He has entered posterity with the slogan, Skinny as a prune Krampus. Like so many of the words in the Austrian vocabulary, no one knows the origin of the word Krampus. It is embedded in the folklore of the many nations which formed the late Austrian monarchy. I also rejoice that child psychologists have not yet tried to analyse this old Austrian custom. Krampus has also entered politics. Under Hitler, he sported a small clip moustache, which grew under the Russian occupation until it resembled Stalin's moustache. But since Austria has regained her independence, these moustaches have disappeared altogether. By the late 1940s though, it seems that Krampus's evil nature was being diluted somewhat. An article from the Motherwell Times reads, From Vienna has come an interesting article by Miss Lily Meldrum, which will be found on another page. Miss Meldrum also relates that she attended a recent session of the Austro-British Society when the topic of discussion centred around superstitions and customs. This proved interesting, she writes, as quite a number of superstitions are the same in both countries. This brought in the more seasonal custom observed in Austria just before Christmas and of special significance for the children. This takes place on the evening of Friday 5th of December and St Nicholas, or as he is known here, Niccolo, dressed in bishop's robes with a pastoral staff in one hand and a large bag bulging with gifts for good children in the other. He is always accompanied by his servant, Krampus, who represents a sort of devil dressed in black. He has two horns on his head, while a long red tongue hanging out of his mouth and a long tail make him a very fearful fellow indeed. In his hands he carries an iron chain and birch rod. On his back is strapped an open wooden keg in which he is supposed to carry off bad children. As dusk falls on the eve of 5th of December, Niccolo and Krampus go to the houses, where they know there are children. Their coming is heralded by the rattling of Krampus's chain. Niccolo leaves gifts of nuts, and almonds, and dates, figs, raisins and sweets, and other little gifts, but Krampus only makes faces and grumbling noises, such as the old custom in Austria, centering round the good Bishop Nicholas.
By the 1960s, London newspapers were advertising annually for the Austrian Krampus Dance, hosted by the Anglo-Austrian Society at Kensington High Street. Now, popular culture suggests that Krampus didn't make it across the Atlantic to the United States until the turn of the millennium, when in 2004, Monty Beauchamp, an art director and graphic artist, published a book of Krampus cards to the American audience, introducing the character to most Americans for the first time. Since then, Krampus has become a well-known entity, with Krampus snack cards, sweaters and parties now common in parts of the US. However, I'd argue that Krampus, certainly in one form or another, has likely been in the US folklore since at least the 18th century. Certainly in states such as West Virginia and Maryland, the land was settled in the mid-18th century by German and Austrian farmers, who brought with them their traditions and beliefs. Part of those beliefs appears to be the cryptid now known as Goatman, the half-goat, half-human creature set to stalk the forests, hills and bridges of a number of states. The West Virginia and Maryland sightings appear to have actually only just begun in the 1950s, with the creature described as half-man, half-goat, with a shaggy fur and horns. Though as per usual with cryptids, the origin stories themselves are subject to change. Some say the goat man was a scientist whose experiment backfired and turned him into a mutated genetic cross. Another story is that it was once a local farmer transformed after gaining satanic powers. Others again claim that Goatman was a mistreated and escaped circus attraction, or a ghost or simple demonic entity. There are also the stories that the Goatman is an ancient creature, blamed in the 1950s for a spate of dog deaths, though actual checkable references to these early sightings appear as elusive as the beast himself. The old Alton Bridge in Maryland, otherwise known as Goatman's Bridge, even appeared in a 2023 news article claiming that the Goatman still haunted the bridge and that he was responsible for murders and grisly sightings in the area. In 2016, a book simply entitled Goatman was written by George Dudding and suggests that the legend was concocted by teenagers with overactive imaginations in the late 1950s to 70s, with parents then latching onto the rapidly grown urban legend as a method of parental control but he also suggests that a number of folk appear to have had real-life encounters with the beast, and not just in Maryland, but all around the United States. Dudding concludes that in most cases these encounters with Goatman were the product of fakery and imagination, but there are a few cases that suggest an encounter with a real creature. Though mistaken identity with a skinwalker or Bigfoot was a possibility, or an encounter with a sheep squatch. Now, a sheep squatch is something to be honest that I'd never heard of before, the creature is said to haunt West Virginia, but appears to be another modern phenomenon, the sightings beginning in the 1990s, with the Squatch described essentially as half goat, half bear, or Sasquatch. So on that note, I've come to an end of this episode. As per usual, if you want any more details on the Within the Boggartwood project, including Patreon and social media, a link will be in the episode description. So have a great week, stay safe, and please just don't misbehave, unless you really want a nighttime visit from the Krampus Goatman.